0: R.M.N. Behaving Badly, a topical, political, smartly dressed, and utterly outraged podcast about mental health nursing in the UK. Your hosts are Stuart McKenzie and me, Ed Freshwater. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Stuart. How are you doing? Good evening, Ed. I'm fabulous, and
1: I'm fabulous sitting here in my best attire. I am. I've just yeah. I've just raided the wardrobe for the best gear I could possibly get.
0: Uh huh. Um, and for the benefit that, of the listener, what you're that's not a... for something yeah. else. <laughs> For the benefit of the listener, that's a grey t-shirt, yeah. It's great. I'm, I'm dumbing it down, man. It's the yeah. content that's important. We're on, a, we're on a non-video recording this time, so we can be as slummy yeah. as we like. Well, when you've only got a court suit.
1: <laughs> you don't want to outwear it. And as you, you did tell the, the listeners of the last pod, um, you, you went as far as uh, you've got a Marks and Spencer suit.
0: I have, indeed. What's so been happening in your week?
1: My week thus far has been... Um, uh, do you know what, it's the Monday days are when just we record rolling, this. But it doesn't matter. The days are just rolling into day after day after day. And, and I can't... I, I, watch, I watch the daily update from the politicians and I just don't hear any words now. And I actually had to... I thought the batteries had gone in the remote control as I was trying to turn the volume up. And then I realised it was just white noise <laughs> with no sense <laughs> and I thought and, and it was actually my brain, was, my brain was, was kind of having a bit of a, a, a revolt, it was like I can't let any more of this nonsense into your brain you just, just shut your oh, ears yeah. and leave the room
0: and then yeah. my daughter said
1: to me, she said Daddy are you watching, are you watching those men again? <laughs> I so, so again and, and I thought am I, am I hooked? Um, uh, is, uh, is this some form of self-flagellation? Watching this, so we switched it
0: off and we watched a
1: lovely episode of Sarah and Duck,
0: which is stead. far better I and actually say, more important, uh, more informative than uh, than anything. Yeah, nobody's nobody's Sarah, saying Sarah's anything Sarah's the, useful. No, I've, I've, well, I've stopped new. watching the I've stopped watching the, the, the briefings. And do you know what? My I, I mental health watching, has improved so much.
1: I was only watching to find out if Matt knew the location of the nurse's pay rise.
0: <laughs> yes, just it's to in see the magic money tree.
1: If someone had at the Treasury had sent him a memo to go, you, you know, Matt, that, that isn't the words you should have used. Yes. And and it wasn't really at the pay rise, like the bumper pay rise. You made it sound like, like, like they're all running about buying, you know, new yeah, houses and cars and uh, they mm-hmm. can afford their Oyster cards, but we'll not be able to afford their Oyster card really because what we've just put up for travel in London by 1% to yeah. mitigate the locks and profit for, for buses that Boris bought, by the way, which yeah. I find hugely mm-hmm. ironic. Um, you know, that was his legacy, buses and bikes. So no, I, I just, I think you're right. I have made a, a promise to myself that that's it. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. There might mm-hmm. be a self-help group that I can attend that will help me stay off it.
0: But... Yeah, it's called literally everybody else in the world is the self-help <laughs> group. But...
1: So I'm 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 half I'm it, as they would say. Mm-hmm. As as well. well, I've uh, been thrilled so, with yeah. my fifteen
0: percent pay rise. Uh, I've I've been spending spend most on? of that. Uh, I bought Porsche, not a Porsche. I bought Porsche. That's how much. Uh, that's how much my pay rise was. <laughs> All right. Yeah.
1: And what are you going to do with your Porsche? <laughs> <laughs>
0: No idea. I might just sell it off into little pieces just for the fun of it. Who can say? I'm just, I'm just so loose. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. Moving on uh, for the <laughs> e- eagle-eared amongst the listeners, they might have heard a, a third person laughing in, a, in our little intro there. Stuart, would you like to yeah, tell us who's absolutely. joined us on this uh, on this auspicious I, occasion?
1: This suspicious occasion. So we, we felt that people might not want to just listen to us ramble on. And I I have to say, what? we have an incredible, an incredible guest with us this evening. Um, a nurse for over 40 years, a career that's seen her work in a variety of areas and a multitude of disciplines. She has since 1971 to present day exemplified the role of nursing and made sure that her voice has been heard through her role as a senior lecturer. She's ensured nurses have qualified, registered with that fire in their blood, carrying on the mantle. Trusted with multiple significant peer reviews and strategic reorganisations across the UK. Um, And and actually when I was reading through the work that our guest tonight has been involved in, it's staggering the The work that nurses can find themselves undertaking to the betterment of society and the profession. And it's just staggering. Um, Never stopped being a Liverpool girl, eldest daughter in a family of six and described herself as caring uh, as being a requirement for a young age. Nurse cadet in 71, ward sister, senior lecturer, political influencer, president of the RCN and in 25 years managed to get 3,000 student nurses to RCN Congress, which I think is (laughs) is a staggering achievement. Uh, I have to say, it's a a lady who doesn't uh, understand the word no when she asks a direct question. (laughs) And uh, still to this day, delivering education and support to students in Liverpool, Chester and John Moores University as, as a visiting lecturer and academic. And this evening we'll be interviewing the legend that is Andrea Spiropolis, (laughs) (laughs) who has been someone who uh, has personally been a, a, a great uh, support uh, in my time coming through the professional organisations and is just a genuinely lovely person and I think knowing her ability to articulate political views, knowing her ability to deb- debate as I do and knowing her absolute fire in her belly as uh, I do, she'll have some opinions that I'm sure our listeners will love to hear. So Andrea, uh, welcome. Welcome. <laughs>
2: I've always got to say, thank you very much for inviting me. Follow uh, that. Pleasure pleasure to be with both of you. Um, It's
1: an absolute honour to bring you on, thank you. We, um, we've got some questions lined up for Andrea, the plan is that rather than us make um, a, a poor attempt at being some sort of political question time or nursing question time, we've invited Andrea on to be with us as Ed and I chat through, we've got some, some mm-hmm. questions that I'm hoping will drive our chat, but I think the most important question that I have for Andrea first is, why did you want to be a nurse Andrea?
2: Oh, why did I want to be a nurse? Um, if I, if I tell you the absolute truth, uh, I got banned from a maths class when I was 13, um, by a teacher who banished me to the library where I spent all my maths lessons reading about nursing and it inspired something in me, uh, that I just couldn't get rid of. So it was from a very early age and, um, I decided I was going to be a ward sister. That's what I wanted to be. And I think it was because I read these books that were about nurses who were in that role, because that's what all there was in those days. You know, you were the matron or the sister. And, uh, and I was bossy because I was <laughs> a girl with five siblings, so uh, it, it seemed like a great great career choice to me. get
1: to be bossy got, in a uniform.
2: I got to be bossy in a uniform and I went and did voluntary work which isn't so popular these days in terms of allowing young people into, they, they get that experience by going to a nursing home, so I got that experience in a large general acute hospital and I absolutely fell in love with it and I have mm-hmm. never regressed at doing it. I absolutely love nursing. With all its warts and its faults, they are the <laughs> most amazing people, nurses. You know, they, no matter what role they have, and they're so varied, there is mm-hmm. something for everybody in nursing. And for me, it was surgery and midwifery, you know, and then lots of other things as time went on. But that's yeah, what inspired you, me. You
1: certainly, you know, and, and and you said that you wanted to be a ward sister. but well, you, you really did overshoot that, Andrea, didn't you? <laughs> you, you, you it's it sort, of, it sort of like, you know, you, you, you're, a, you're a cadet nurse in 1971, you want to be a ward sister, you get there in the mid-70s and you sort of go, well, I'll just keep going to see how far I can go. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that
0: one actually really actually sign. argue that you missed your target quite considerably. But <laughs> 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 well, you,
2: could, you could argue that. Well, everything that I did in nursing, Every single qualification that I I studied for, I did it because somebody required it of nurses at that time. Mm. And, you know, I mean, when I did law, it wasn't because I wanted to be a lawyer. It was because I brought lawyers in to teach nurses law and they frightened the living daylights out of them. And actually, they didn't understand what we did. They didn't know what we needed to practice safely. We didn't need a law degree. We needed to know what was safe. And that's how I, I trained as a lawyer, because I thought, I can do this better than them, because I know what these girls and boys are doing. I know what it's like being in a difficult situation, making a decision that can be right or wrong in law, but morally can be really challenging. So that's, right. that's how I did that. So it's always been about the patients or the students or the people around me.
0: Where did the law study come, in to the, come into the program?
2: Because Where? somebody in London decided that nurses should undertake some legal training for confidentiality. You've got to remember, I'm an old girl. When I started, maybe you mentioned accountability. You just went to work and you did a really good job and people were grateful for it. So I don't think I ever heard the word accountability until the mid-80s when they decided... Because again, when I started, you registered as a nurse. And unless you did something really badly wrong, nobody asked you to pay any more money. You carried on working, your employer knew what you were doing. And then suddenly the, the world changed and we changed from the General Nursing Council to the NMC, it needed funding. Um, and part of that was that we then had to have frameworks around consent, confidentiality, all of those issues, me- mental health issues, all all needed, but it came as part of a curriculum, and so suddenly we had whole new modules on yeah. law. I, mean, I, I know
1: I don't, I know I don't see. look at Andrea, but I do remember the nursing boards. I was still when do I, when I, caught, I was, my, my first, my first was uh, my first call my, when I first registered. That was at uh, the UKCC we're, were still in still in possession. And there were still the nursing boards, so you had England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and, and Wales, and then obviously when the NMC came to town, um, we we they were all lost, and that really that that at that point nursing, my view is we we as a profession lost control of our regulator. We did, we did. Um,
2: you know, and 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 you know.
1: When I I remember in that that period that the drive wasn't the drive wasn't care the drive was politics, mm-hmm. you know the the drive was the 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 political agenda of this big massive beam off of a profession across the UK and and that 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 that's the start for me of that politicising of our, our profession. We had no choice in that matter, you know. Yeah. We, we've
2: and, and, and people, I feel. It, they raised issues at that time. The the the, mm-hmm. the, the 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 real thing was was that what it became was it's 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 cloaked as a professional regulator, but it's actually an arms-length government department paid for by nurses to protect the public. And it's right that it should protect the public, but whether it Absolutely. does that efficiently and effectively or not, that's for debate.
1: I think that's been constant debate this last few years hasn't it? I mean the NMC's not had its its troubles to seek um, and I, I think as well when when you look at some of the, the conversations that have had to be had in and around Covid for example about the lack of PPE and um, clearly within defined within our, our regulator and our, our code of conduct is about you know providing care but it gets back to this position of, well, who's, who's caring for the, the carers? And, and I said, you know, the elephant in the room. And the reason, one of the reasons that we felt you would be a great guest is you have such a keen political eye and you are such a great debater. And I don't, you know, I've, I've seen you debate on numerous occasions. And, uh, you know, what are your observations of the, the government's handling of nursing through COVID-19, Andrea?
2: I think it's been appalling, I mean there are no other words to describe it. I understand that they are in a difficult position and that this is not easy in terms of it needs funding, it needs strategy, you have to deliver it but actually they failed at every level in terms of preparation. I mean just take for example the out-of-date PPE with dates on it that were, were going back years that had been retested but put out for staff to use. This is normal everyday housekeeping. You wouldn't have that in your cupboard. You wouldn't have things that were 15 years old and go, I'll just relabel them and I'll use them and it'll be all right. Mm -hmm. Why would we think that would be okay? And it's, you know, it's not beyond the wisdom and it can be done electronically with a central store. So I was amazed at at that. I, I really couldn't believe that there was nobody who had a handle on that and when they did the test run through on how well prepared they were in two, 2016 and it was identified that there was a shortage mm. of PPE and they ignored it for me that was pretty unforgivable
0: oh yeah absolutely that's that's one of those uh, because after I mean, the common denominator every time something really bad happens uh, you, you know the earliest one in, in my career would have been like mid-staffs but for decades before that when it came to Harold Shipman or Beverly Alley or or you know anything they've always said there will be an inquiry and lessons will be learned and here you go this was a this was a lesson being learned and then ignored forgotten you know it's 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 as distant memory to them as my standard grade german lessons were you know they're just they're, they do not contain any uh, you know i have no information up here of that but they they willfully have done that haven't they yes you know it's an active choice rather than a oh my goodness we forgot to do this it was an active choice to ignore it wasn't it
2: and it, it's a foolish thing to do because actually what they would have to have spent then is minuscule in comparison mm-hmm. to what they've they've currently had to spend to fix it. And people have lost their lives. Yeah. Thousands
1: of I mean, people I, thought, I genuinely thought at one point they were gonna roll in Professor Brian Cox to explain the concept of Schrodinger's cat and use that about PPE. Yeah. Is the PPE in the box?
0: Schrodinger's <laughs> if we don't cape, open the box.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? If we don't open the box, we can continue to use phrases like it's coming from Turkey. It's on the way. It's on the runway. It's not the right stuff. This isn't, this isn't an order from a catalogue for some fancy dress costumes. You know, the, 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 the procurement processes are embarrassing. Yes. Shambolic doesn't go far enough. To, you know, to, so on one hand, we have this nurses are angels not all superheroes wear capes. You guys are doing a great job and we'll applaud you. But, yeah, we'll get the PPE along to you at some point. And, by the way, make sure you're using it appropriately because we might think you're not using the right PPE mm-hmm. at the right levels. Well, let's ask you the question. You've put out three series of conflicting pieces of advice. Professional organizations have put out conflicting information with health and safety Executive. Which you guys appear to have completely ignored and put out your own advice, which is then left to the interpretation of clinicians trying to do a good yeah. job. That's they can. Um, we have got. So, I mean, from from you know that, 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 that my going back to that point of the original question as well. I, I personally don't feel that as a profession we've been. I think we've been paid lip service, to be quite frank. Um, <laughs> the years. Yeah. And and but this is a this is a theme, isn't it? It's a theme. Mm-hmm.
2: It is a theme, and I do think that 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 the the point that you made Ed, about the inquiry is, I've been around long enough to see numerous inquiries, and they all start off the same way. They start off with nurses raising their voice and not being listened to. Mm-hmm. They then go on to develop until it becomes a crisis. That becomes public. Then they employ somebody to review it. I mean, you you mentioned Stafford. You know the 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 cost of that, and originally was twelve million pounds. And then the offshoots from that, for every aspect of that, there was another five million pounds spent on each phase.
1: I'm talking Scotland. A, there was the vehicle even inquiry as well. Of so, course. So so <laughs> we. We're not without we're multiple illustrations oh. that systems break down. But, you know, as much as I've heard them say in the PPE, I've heard them in, in my career, you know, over 20 years now, we've apologised as a profession on numerous occasions. Our regulator has apologised on numerous occasions. I can't think of any professional nurse who would, who would deny a patient and their families Credible, safe, compassionate care, and when something bad happens, we go. That, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. We mm-hmm. act in an accountable way. So, what is it that stops the people we elect to do the paperwork, yeah. reciprocating that that respect, that respect and dignity? Just stand up there and say, by the way, we have got this badly wrong. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's twice.
2: right. And, and if you it's it, will we one. hear it?
0: Yeah. Will we hear it? No, not a chance. I, think- I mean, Boris Johnson was caught out saying something in Parliament which was completely untrue. It was demonstrated to be oh, untrue very swiftly. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, th- there are rules about saying stuff that's untrue in Parliament. And uh, does he come back and, and address the, the fact that he made a false statement to the house? Did, you know he, in, he misled the house. We can speculate over the intent of it, but he, he made a statement that did mislead. And when given the opportunity to clarify or to correct himself, that hubris was such that he would not go back in and, and admit, Yes, I was mistaken. I mean, even to have said, I was mistaken and I apologise to the House. But that's,
1: that's, that's not something, I mean, I, I, Andrew, I don't know how you, you, you know, you, you've been involved in lots of high-level negotiations and conversations and, and, and reviews, kind of operationally and strategically. Are we looking at people who don't know how to apologise or are we looking at people who genuinely don't believe they can make a mistake?
2: Do you know, I, I, I'm astounded at some of the antics of the current the government. And, and you mentioned before about the 15%. I mean, you'll know that I nearly had a fit over a statement <clears throat> that, that was made um, because it was so outrageous. I, I, was, I, I could feel my blood pressure rising, literally. But... I, afterwards, I thought, he's learned that so well. He believes it. And I now understand how we got that pay deal. It's because none of them understood it, because nobody mm-hmm. read the detail, because they don't operate at detail. They float, they hover, and they hope that they'll get through. And most of the time, they sail through it. And when they don't, and you lift the lid, like with the PPE, when you actually examine it, it makes no sense to people who are logical, organised, and methodical. You just wouldn't put anybody in that position. I accept that they're now struggling to get that that equipment because the rest of the world is looking at us. But we've known about this since January and it's May.
1: Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have had to have brought in the military to undertake the logistics. The NHS is one of the biggest employers in the globe. Mm-hmm. The infrastructure for procurement, the infrastructure around deliveries, restocking, ordering, it sh- should not require another organization of the magnitude of the military to have to come in to essentially deliver the PPE. Mm-hmm.
2: And the PPE is only part of the story,
1: isn't it? If you look at but the, a, the, the, the systemic, it's, the reason there are there are so many private contractors, particularly in NHS England now, that it's it's like a complex, it's an over-engineered machine now. Mm-hmm. There are too many moving parts to something that should be really, really simple. That it there doesn't need to be that level of complexity. But actually my view, my personal view, my, my hypothesis around it is that level of complexity creates the smog in which private enterprise yeah. and private capitalism can, can permeate and can live. Not only that, but it also
0: it also abrogates responsibility to somebody else. Why? Because when you when you put, don't you? Um, yeah, I mean how many times have we seen in the clinical setting, if you've got a problem with how uh a piece of equipment has been maintained it's not your own maintenance people within the hospital it's another agency so you can't you know as a as a ward manager you couldn't then go down to the maintenance and say listen larry you guys have completely failed to fix the the kettle right now it's uh oh right i'd better go and um, emailed the uh, relationship <laughs> manager for the servicing company. It's the same with, uh, with cleaning and so much of that uh, cleaning is a great outsourced. example. And, uh, and now you can't you know, a ward manager can't instruct, in many cases a cleaner to do a certain thing. It cleaning go through mm. and it's, it's not your g- fault. It's not the manager's fault. Look at COVID. Fault. COVID, COVID has the, highlighted mm.
1: this covid has shown how important it is to have those internal hotel services and and services running mm-hmm. side by side in parallel with clinical services they are every bit as important you know Catering, people forget this, physio, this all of this, this stuff this government this government forgets that it, it took the mobilization of trade unions in 2011 2012 and 2013 to actually ensure that there wasn't a mass privatization of those infrastructure systems.
2: Well, well, if you because that that, would be a, there's something in this in this environment at the moment with COVID. You've only got to look at the trouble that they're having with the testing for mm-hmm. patients because nobody knows who's being tested. They don't know where the tests are. People are saying they've had it done and they're waiting six days. GPs don't know which which testing centre it's going to because they're all over the place. There's no structure, there's no infrastructure in place and I know it's a new test, but we've been testing people's blood, you know, for, for he- ever, <laughs> yeah.
1: ever. Yeah. And, and the quantity with which we are now testing people, you would think that we would get to a position where some form of, again with the army, we've got the army operating um, operating pop-up test centres. We've, we've, west of Scotland. We've got the airports being used in Scotland with, with army colleagues. Um, and and this is not a, a dig at the army. I just don't believe that we should have to call on the army to do this when we've got. A Rock, I don't else. think you should have to
2: drive thirty miles to have a test. Absolutely. On. I mean, if we can test patients in a hospital, why can't we test staff? I mean, exactly. what is that? You you've got people who are working with patients who've got COVID. And they are leaving that environment, getting in a car, and in this part of the world, in the northwest, they're driving forty miles to have a test on. It's madness.
1: And then, and then you you, you ask yourself the question again. When we go, we asked about how this government has treated nursing. There's your biggest workforce, your angels, your heroes without capes. Um, listen, see if you're, you're 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 isolating, you think you've got symptoms, just jump in the car and drive forty. I used to have that swab done. Don't
0: <laughs> but drive, don't drive anywhere. Drive
1: down the road to your hospital. Uh, no, but yeah. don't drive
2: anywhere, don't leave your home. I mean,
1: an but but I've got nobody energy. to look after my kids. i just take you <laughs> in
0: the car, with you? <laughs> Breathing in your... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah.
2: these, these are the things that I think have really highlighted the lack of structure, the lack of investment. I mean, we all know, don't we, the NHS has been squeezed until there was, there was nothing left, you know. I mean, I, I remember... You know, having um, spare capacity in your budget so that a female-dominated profession—we have lots of women who go off to have children because that's what happens. You know, to maintain the human race, people reproduce, and we have. Don't
1: go throwing that card in there. Don't, don't <laughs> go using <laughs> your gender.
0: I don't like your got tone. Got you, you should. Aye, yeah. Women should we've watch got their got tone. Got <laughs> <laughs> we've got
2: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, have money to pay for replacements. Whereas when they when the money become tight, that was reduced and reduced, and it was it was next to nothing. So they weren't replaced. You know, you can't run a system on, or a tank on empty, and that's what's been happening in the NHS. It's been running on. It's empty.
1: disgraceful. It's, I mean, you, you, you raised the issue of, of 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 gender there very positive I mean, I, you, you don't have a, a pod with two guys, um, mm-hmm. but well I, well, I know
2: that they're all, they're all guys where, who have children. No, so no, no,
1: no,
0: no, oh, no, yeah, no, no, but, but hang on, but, hang on. Which I which thought, one of what the what three is... of us was a president of something? Though? Yes, yeah,
1: and <laughs> and has a law degree, <laughs> yes. and and has has a husband who was who was who a revolutionary. And you know, no, I I I really, you know, for me, I'm conscious, I'm constantly conscious of how privileged I am. You know white, male, in the nursing profession um, and mental health, there is, a, is an anomalous environment, more men traditionally drawn to that area of nursing for, for various reasons. But you, <clears throat> you make a really important point there as well, Andrea, about, about the gender. Flip that into politics. Where has the female leadership been in all of this? Where we, we, we've <clears throat> we see these male privileged Pet you know, pretty patel is there, but I mean, God love her, she can't count. But where <laughs> is the <laughs> Where where has where has that presence been of female leadership, of female? Um, I, I, I
2: think I think female leadership is really important because you have to see people similar to you and to aspire to it. You know, I know the the for a scouse girl from Liverpool here in, in Liverpool, I know there's that's why I'm so involved with students. They, they see me and think I could be her. I could do that because I, I, they reflect the sameness, if you like. And I think there's lots of role models. But let me say this about nursing. And it's something I feel really passionate about and always have done. There is no role in nursing that isn't valuable. It might be a role that you don't want to do. You know, I I I find it really really difficult to nurse very sick children. Even though I worked at Alderhay, I worked as a manager because I'm not very good for the parents because I get too emotionally. I, I'm useless. I haven't got the skills that you need to 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 nurse patient little patient babies and 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 harm them. Everything you do to them is intrusive, and I find it really difficult. So there are roles that I can't do as a nurse. There are other roles I, I no problem with adults. I can know do anything I need to do with them but I think that for nurses what we have to remember is every nurse is valuable and it doesn't matter what your gender is it's, mm-hmm. it, it makes no difference we should always focus on the best in us whoever they are and celebrate that so if you're the right person and you're white privileged male I really don't care as long as you're going to deliver what I want you to deliver for nursing. I don't care if you're, if you're a BME group, group from, from the BME community and you out if you're the right person, I want you in that job. And if you're better than me, I want you in that job.
1: So how do we get we the politicians, have, the right politicians in the job then, Andrea? Well, do we the do
2: politicians it? are difficult because they come through a particular pathway, whereas nursing is very diverse. In nursing, you will meet people from all walks of life, from the poorest to the wealthiest. But you know, it's a great level of nursing because if you've got the skill, the patient doesn't care where you're from. They don't care who you are, they don't care what country you're from, whether you're from Europe, whether you're from Africa. They're not interested. What they want to know is do I feel safe with you? Am I safe in your hands? And I think that's what nurses have to remember. We've got to be more unified in what we all do really well and celebrate every aspect of nursing. I mean, I don't know everything about nursing, but I know that nurses do an amazing job. I know that. So we've got to get that across to politicians. I don't think we're good at that. And I think we've got to stop apologising to politicians. When they come out with statements like like Mm. Matt Hancock made this week, whether he believed it or not, we've got to challenge that. It's complete rubbish what he said. And we and, shouldn't and,
0: allow him yeah. to get away with this. We just shouldn't, Mr. 15%. <laughs> you know? Oh, well, that's 15%. his new nickname
1: for us. <laughs> Mr. 15%. <laughs> you can have well, You can have 50,000 trees, there are 50,000 yeah. new nurses, and you had 15% pay rises. I'm doing an incredible job here. Fabulous yes. job.
0: Uh, well, I'm doing really a better job right. than pretty over there the with the, the... <laughs> two hundred
1: and forty-two thousand million one hundred and four.
0: Yes, I mean really,
1: <laughs> she should be the <laughs> chancellor. She could write off the deficit like that.
2: Easily, <laughs> I'll tell you what. what, what I, I do think is is that the we we do need every now and again as nurses to roar. And I remember visiting Norway when I was president and speaking to their nurses. And they do pretty well in terms of their negotiations. But the, the, their leader at that time said something to me that really stayed with me. She said, Andrea, we negotiated for 15 years and we came out with, you're doing a marvellous job and it will be your time next time. And she said, we organised strike action. and." We, we didn't have to go out on strike, just the fact that they believed that we would. And I've kept that with me because I think nurses don't mm. believe that mm. they're so essential. I don't think that they believe that they're so good. They, they really do need to realise that any nurse, any nurse could be a politician. I mean, we've got examples of three of them that are so good at politicians, they couldn't vote for a nurse's pay rise. And we can do their job. They can't do yours. They can't
1: it's do yours. You ask, you know, the, the culture of shadowing nurses around at these, that, that, that that's not something that I'm a great fan of, people uh, who clearly feel uncomfortable with their short sleeves rolled up, uh, walking around clinical environments. Um, it, it, it does, it does uh, irk me somewhat. I agree. That roar... I I, I've I've been privileged enough to 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 be in the presence of highly motivated, highly articulate nurses on a number of occasions in my career, and and just see that that feeling of emotion. But it's almost like they need, as a profession, we need permission to be angry.
0: Correct.
1: Permission to vent.
0: But did you see what happened in Belgium? Just a couple of days ago, and I need to put that link onto our our social media streams. So the the Prime Minister of Belgium uh, was visiting a hospital, and doctors, nurses, um, associated healthcare staff of all kinds were very angry about a piece of legislation which I understand had something to do with healthcare workers being drafted into work uh, in hospitals against their will. Um, and I'm open to be corrected on that because I had a, a brief read of it, okay. but the uh, the healthcare workers lined the, the driveway that the uh, Prime Minister's car was coming in on, and as yes. her car arrived, they one by one turned their backs. And I just watched that with a kind of, almost clutching my head in despair, thinking of the times that Boris Johnson was on a ward, being jolly and jovial in December, being greeted by nursing staff, by, uh, being greeted by medics, who were all posing for selfies with the architect of their own unemployment. And it just made me feel devastated Accompanied, by a, accompanied, by, <laughs> yeah. a accompanied mm-hmm. by a
1: CNO. Accompanied by a CNO.
0: Yeah, yes. yeah, and and it's but, but, that quizzling but, nature of the of welcoming your because, your killer into the home, you know.
1: It
2: is because we, by nature, we're not rude or impolite, or no. you know, we don't go out of our way to upset people. We like to to work, you know, in an um amb- an ambiance that's that's productive. But those the, senior nurses are also they're told somebody's coming. I mean, I actually think trade unions could say. No nurse will pose for photographs with, with politicians. So what
1: were they kids?
2: they do? They roll out. You know, they turn up at the hospital. They don't turn up. You know, when you when you're looking for cash, a cash cash injection. I didn't see them coming to Liverpool when Carrillo went bust, when we had a nope. hospital that was half completed. They were, you know hands off boys
1: well how long how long did that take the government to step in and say that they would actually um, underwrite the original expense really whilst whilst, whilst the entire Royal Liverpool was flooding from the top down
2: it was it was, it was. so but, so I do think that we should do that and I, and I also think that we do far too much as nurses now on in terms of allowing cameras into hospitals um mm. and, and I'm going to say to you because somebody will come. Back and point it out. I was on a TV program, one of the first that they did in the Royal Liverpool, but I didn't let them on my ward. They interviewed me outside, and I talked to them about pay, terms, conditions, understaffing, and I'm talking about thirty odd years ago. But I wouldn't let them on, on to see the patients because the patients they're, they're not on display for the public. Hmm. Anybody who wanted to be interviewed could go outside, but I didn't let them in my.
1: Lord. They didn't go elsewhere, but they didn't
2: go mine. But
1: it's it's almost like <clears throat> there's a, a cookbook, uh, a, a way of being a modern politician which says you must have your photograph with, some read a story to some children, go and visit some sick people, um, be seen in a school, um, plant a tree. It's almost like a tick box exercise, and I think what they don't realise is that for those of us who we, can, we see through it, it's as transparent as day. Yes.
2: They're
1: not interested in the stories of those well, people. see, he, here here's never. the
0: thing. You say we see through it, transparent, clear as the light of, the, of day, but they're still getting bloody elected. Yeah. But the, but well,
2: I don't know why they were elected. The, <laughs> what I do is, is that when they, when they come to hospitals, there is a pressure on you if you're in a trust yeah. board. You're reliant on them in terms of your funding and how that's managed. I know that the contracts are put in place, but they can manipulate things in so many different ways. So there is a vested interest in doing that, you know, not obsessing them too much. I would fate. point
1: out as well there's a, there's a variation, and I can only speak for my experience. In one of the devolved countries, our mm. relationship with government in Scotland is very different.
2: Yeah, I know, I know
1: that. It's much it, It's clearer. Um, and, and I've been in some of these ministerial visits, and they're, they're at odds to say, We don't want to go into a ward, we just want to meet some staff, have a chat. You get a room away from the wards, grand and you say, Does anybody want to meet such and such, such and such? It's, it does a discreteness because and I, and I, I, I'm even even the, the civil servants who are supporting them, there's a it's played down a little bit and it doesn't feel as um, yes ministerish it doesn't feel as as TV punditry you know here I am with my sleeves rolled up shaking the hand I mean we were talking about this Ed in one of our early pods when mm-hmm. Matt was shaking the hand of a woman who clearly didn't know who he was <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right? Is is this the geriatrician? You know, and th- th- that, that that for me that that's the that's it's just so disingenuous. It doesn't mm-hmm. actually bring anything. In fact, you know, Matt Hancock and you know, um, Boris Johnson were travelling the length and breadth of the country, shaking people's hands at a time when they were when they were following the science. But the science they're following and, and this as we segue into something that we, we did with three of us wanted to discuss, they're not following the social science. They're not no. they're not following the impact on communities who are living on the edge. They're not following the impact of people who have drug dependency or people who have an intellectual disability or people who are caring for their loved ones at home because they're so scared that God forbid they go into 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 care, yeah. something might come harm to heart of them because we're so focused on COVID, cancer te- um, cancer treatments down, referrals for, the, for heart and cardiac conditions down, you know all bucking national trends. People are at home unwell, yes, because they have no assurance in the system, and it's not us who are not giving them assurance. There's nurses on social media and doctors on social media saying, come to hospital, see if you're not well, we want to see you. We're we still here. It's but not all about COVID.
2: We send, didn't we send out, or did not, didn't our politicians send out a very clear message in the beginning to, to the elderly in particularly that, that, that they weren't to go to the hospital and in fact the preference if they were in a nursing home was for them to die in the nursing home um rather than move them and if you if you do what what we did i mean but the, the, the whole the whole issue really is is an astounding situation in this we didn't have enough ventilators so they went out you know we had dyson producing them you know no you know yeah. exactly you know anyone anyone who had a tool case, you know mccano anything going you could put together Uh, a ventilator for patients there was no consideration about consistency training the dangers of using different types of equipment that people weren't familiar with and we actually tell people not to come in so when they did come they were on death store. and i think that we really need to examine this idea that we've got about our senior citizens somehow Mm -hmm. or other being disgraceful you know, the, they, they, they couldn't tell us.
1: They couldn't tell us until two weeks ago what the anticipated death toll had been in nursing homes and care home settings. They couldn't tell us. We weren't counting them. I mean, I don't even need to go back to the fact we weren't counting how many nurses had succumbed to COVID at the start. Mm-hmm. It took the embarrass, It took the health minister having to be embarrassed by a general secretary of the RCN who asked a direct question of him. Mean, we're counting doctors, we're counting nurses. What? I, I don't think we'll truly ever know those numbers. I don't think we'll ever truly know how many people's lives. And this is the thing for me about our elders. I don't care if someone's life was cut short by a day, a week, or a month. It was still cut short. They, they died in isolation and on their own because their families couldn't be with them. Nurses and care homes, predominantly in certain areas of England where BME nurses work, their numbers outweigh where um, people choose to have zero-air contracts because it suits them. These nurses were exposed, these carers, both registered and non-registered nurses, were actively exposed to COVID-19 with a lack of PPE and exposing their residents as a consequence of that. And it took until two weeks ago for us to even have a handle on the numbers of deaths. How our elders, and this is the irony for me, everybody's out celebrating VED, when the generation who survived it, lived through it and were born directly after it, had the least chance. Mm -hmm. The founding generation the NHS. Yeah. And this is what our elder care came to. This is what it came to. And you can talk about as many ventilators as you like. That goes back to, you still need nurses to monitor them.
2: Correct. And and, the amount of of money that they have spent unwisely in the last four months, as again, has been incredible. You know, the, the, the awarding of contracts for hospitals that aren't being used, the, you know, the cost of... I mean, everyone said about the Nightingale in London, let's be honest, it's an arena with beds in it. They've, they've, put, they've put kit in, it's an emergency hospital. How many patients did it have? Was it
1: 47? How many staff did it have?
2: You know, you, know, you just...
1: Where do you get... Where do you just imagine up? And then... To be completely divisive, they give separate and, de- and, and preferential terms and conditions to staff who chose to work there versus staff who were in the NHS. Yeah, the hundreds. So, so what, what message does that send as well that you're working at your local NHS hospital, but you, you, you get colleagues down, to, oh, well, but you know, we've got a shortage. So, but the shortage wasn't my fault. The shortage was your fault. You know, you've worked in higher education for a, a substantial amount of your career, injury. You must have seen the numbers, class sizes. You know this concertina, constant effect of you know it was either bust or loose. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I, in fact, you know the 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 numbers changed according to to what somebody in um, in. Um, parliament decided they were going to do in conjunction no no forward planning you know you could see the numbers dropping then we got a crisis four years later and that was constant um placements were were you know they were closing hospitals and retracting those services so there were less places you could put people on um with mentors and therefore you couldn't put those numbers through in the end you didn't have the placements for them and then people came up with, you know, ridiculous things like, let them nurse a bag of flowers instead of a baby. I mean, you know, I mean, that, that happened on <laughs> stage.
1: This is your patient for the day. He may not say much.
0: <laughs> His name's Hovis. and <laughs> <laughs> He's half-baked. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh. Um. It's not,
2: it's not, I, I do worry seriously about the the caliber of politicians and i I did get some flack this week about um being a lefty you know and and i pointed (laughs) out that i belong to no party um and that the only party i belong to was nursing you know that's where my heart is Uh, and i the only reason i am criticizing the current government, is because they are the current government, they've been in power ten years, this is nobody else's problem, it's theirs, mm-hmm. and that's where comes from. I get criticised
1: when they said, someone said, uh, I, I tweeted uh, earlier in the week when they were talking about the schools going back in England, and interestingly the other three nations of the four of the UK all went, nah, too soon. So did, so did no.
2: Liverpool. Right,
1: and then there was <laughs> this <business laughs> outpouring. Right. There was this outpouring of of anti anti Scotland in particular because Nicola Sturgeon's been played, and I have to be absolutely, you know, my political allegiances are well and you know are, are well known in terms of my my um, my left to centre labour party affiliations. But but she has I had shown I hadn't leadership
0: up on that, Stuart. Right?
1: No. She she has <laughs> shown leadership. She has shown guile, She has shown commitment, and she has also, as a woman being very, very clear that she won't be bullied. She's clear. And, and she was very clear when everybody else in Westminster was being unclear of, you could see her face when this stay alert message came out. And she's sort of like, I have no idea what that actually means. Stay alert. But you're going to send your skills back. You're quite clear that, Kids need to social distance. Well, I'm the father of a five year old. Ed, you've got a couple of youngins. Do they get the whole concept of how <laughs> social yes. distance? Because yes, my, my
0: four year old son has got a very keen understanding of uh, <laughs> two meters and uh, knowing which uh, grandparent he can meet in a park as uh, so long as neither of them sits down. Yes. Yeah, but you, you That know, would be sarcasm. And, and, and,
1: <laughs> it's just, I know, it just is, and, and so you've now got this turn, as I'm very ineloquently saying it, but you've got this position where all of a sudden, all oh, this anti-Scottish sentiment was, was was starting to boil up, oh well here's Westminster paying for Scotland to keep everybody sitting at home. Well I don't know if you've noticed, I'm, the health service is still running, we're not sitting at home. Uh, I very I really clear.
2: The old divide and rule issues that the, the, the Tories in particular favour, you know, divide and yes. conquer. And and the, the truth of it is, this affects all of us and we shouldn't allow them to do that to us. Nursing is one family where valuable right
1: across it, the was, it was the attack on teachers oh, that yeah, really teachers. got me. I saw it on the... I football. was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. And there were Labour politicians, Labour MPs, who have, have messaged since and said wait a minute why are you attacking a teacher union no matter you, know, Matt, you it's just some update to you're your the, party status of the that you want to tell everything. me about wait a minute because here we have nurses clearly saying stay at home just stay at home teachers saying see when our our, our colleagues in health say it's okay to come out we'll then start to talk about how we open up the schools mm-hmm. let us influence what that looks like so We've ignored the whole sector of public sector workers during PPE, and you can see the iceberg coming. You can see the calamitous reopening of schools. You can see the outpouring of, of parents who've got an inclination that teachers aren't bloody babysitters. <laughs> they're educators and they're professionals, and they have lives, and just like nurses, it's not a vacation. It's their job. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? And and how do they then reconstruct education for children who are living in a post-COVID world? And so all of this was coming out. And I daftly, in my naive head, tweeted and said to some person, well, we could start with just cancelling Trident, couldn't we? We could just stop buying nuclear submarines and choose to make that decision. And we're out of Europe now, so what does being part of NATO mean to anybody? And we've just seen that a virus, which is invisible, can reduce us to this. <laughs> we could just cho- choose different things. Oh, my God. Did I, it was I, you was are. I was a communist. I was a dissenter. It was people like me. Yeah, it was people like me who were chipping away at our national values.
0: <laughs> of tolerance. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. And then, and, and, and I'm like, I, I just thought, wait a minute, there would have been a time when nurses and teachers would have said to you, this isn't a good idea. And people would go, the nurses and teachers have said, this isn't a good idea. The doctors have said, this isn't a, such a good idea. But it just continues to the point where Piers Morgan is now the champion of the people.
2: Hey, listen, and nobody's more surprised the than me. The world's gone.
1: <laughs> the world's gone. It's like living in wheelie world.
0: Nothing makes sense anymore. So listen, Andrew, while we've got you on this program, there's something that there's a topic that kind of bothers me and I would love to just get your take on it. We've spoken about um, the state of politics and the caliber of politician that we've got these days. We've spoken about the uh, diverse role of the nurse and how we represent more accurately what the um, what the makeup of the nation is, um, economically, ethnically. Uh, we've spoken about the need to get involved in politics, but I think I've always felt very frustrated that nursing as a profession tends to shy away from politics to a greater extent and i would love to see us you know like those like those nursing staff and those healthcare staff in belgium turning their back on the on the prime minister and and our colleagues in norway and our colleagues in northern ireland and our colleagues in america who've gone on strike to campaign for better standards better more safety better pay more recruitment what can we possibly do in this country to get nurses fired up a bit more about taking political action?
2: You have to lead them. Mm -hmm. They won't do it on their own because they will be frightened because they've never done it. If you've Mm -hmm. never been involved in that, it is scary if you have never done it. But we don't lead them. We ask them to make decisions and they don't know what other people are thinking. We don't bring them together as a community to find out. We don't have enough people In the workplace that can talk to them about how these things are if you want to have a movement that is strong the first thing that has to happen is the people who represent you and I know that lots of people go you know we're not doctors and the doctors are this and the doctors are that but the doctors know exactly which buttons to push they stand usually stand united and they are clear in the message and they come out quickly when something is said. So I think the first thing they have to do is, is make sure that nurses believe that they are as good as I know they are. They are absolutely fabulous, but they just don't believe it. They, they, say to, they used to say to me, I'm only a nurse. There's no such thing as only a nurse. Nurses are pretty unique. Individuals—they work hard. They give up so much. They sacrifice so much. You can take them with you, but you've got to leave them. And let me give you an example where we didn't do that. When we had the pay award, I'm going to go back to that pay award because it really irks me because I was this, screaming. Uh, from 2018
0: the 2018
2: one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we had that, that was not a good deal, and everybody knew it wasn't a good deal. They got carried away with with fixing the lower paid, but they made the people who were in, who had advanced in practice and worked really hard and paid to do all of the different qualifications that were required. They were the people who were hit and you have to reward people who are senior, otherwise there's there's no reason for them to stay. They'll go and do something else. So you have to reward all nursing staff and everybody should have aspirations, should be able to rise. But what we didn't do was we asked them to vote. But we gave them a message of acceptance. Mm-hmm. We sent a clear message to them. This this is the phrase. This is the best that can be achieved by negotiation. Well, I'm telling you, it wouldn't have been the best I'd have got because I wouldn't have agreed to it. Under mm-hmm. a moon never. Because it, it attacked terms and conditions, and it was, that was a red line. If the government can have red lines, we have to have them and we don't talk tough. If we'd said to nurses, this isn't a great deal. You might get no pay award, but we'd like you to vote against it. Then you go back to the government and they may well have imposed it and we wouldn't have been able to end the about it because they were in power, but they were weak in power. They didn't have a massive majority mm-hmm. and they would have had to have gone to the public and instead of saying nurses get 27% because it went out, NHS had said by implication, they would, we were included in that. 27% pay rise over three years, everyone thought we got that. Some mm-hmm. of our nurses thought we got it until they got the pay slip. Yes. And, and the, the truth is, is that we gave them a gift, and I would never mm-hmm. have done that as a leader. Never in a million years. And, and I do think it's true. In Scotland, it's better. No,
1: and I, but that leads to that narrative about, about the, the, the privileged nature of modern politics. Um and and it leads to that narrative around what is it within the profession per se that people feel that they can't do that. It, it I agree with you, Andrea. I, I think when you send a message of do you know what, this is this is probably as good as we're gonna get, it sends a message of defeat. We're now in a situation where we've got a government with a vast majority. Mm-hmm. Do no likelihood like- like, no likelihood of, of, of fixing that anytime soon. A new leader in opposition who is not going to want a general election for at least 24 months to stabilize his position in Labour Party. Scotland, I, I'll be really interested to see where this goes with Scotland post Covid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be really interested and to see it as well. And, and I have to say that, the, 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 you know. Um, it's palpable in Scotland. People are at, people are angry. In Northern Ireland and in Wales. And and it didn't have to be this way, Andrea. It didn't have to be this way. We now have a majority government who feel that they're riding roughshod, and I suppose that's that run into what I'm actually at. What is the point in trying to negotiate with people who feel that it is just their right? And by virtue of a majority, they're legal possession to just do what they want why would we continue to negotiate
2: oh well i, I don't think you i think i don't think you can negotiate with them i think that they believe that i mean i've heard the tories uh, um conversation around negotiating on brexit and i've learned a lot from them in terms of what they i mean these are all all men from a particular class all with the same ideas and their their perspective on the world is no deal's better, you know, uh, right. uh, no deal's better than a bad deal. Um, you've got to be prepared to walk away from the table. Mm-hmm. That was another one that they 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 came up constantly. You've got to show them that we mean business, and you've got to be prepared to just call it a day. I think we should take those three principles or those three comments with us when we go in and we should be prepared to do it. Because I'll tell you, I did a negotiation. When, when I was a, a teacher, before I, I become a qualified teacher, I was a, a clinical, an advanced clinical nurse and I went to work in the, what was the school of nursing and I was only there four months and they decided they were moving us into the university. We were the first school in the country because they always try Liverpool first, you know, because if it doesn't work, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. So we were, we were the first to move into the university without a transfer of undertakings because it didn't exist. And I negotiated that deal with, with a, an RCN officer, uh, Jenny Upshaw, and she was about this big and she was tough. And I gave her all the information that she needed. And we went into that negotiation and she walked out twice and we got everything. Because Mm -hmm. she knew they wanted it to be a success, and she said, we're not letting them get away with it. And we got a fantastic deal because we weren't prepared to give in. We said, well, we're not going because we don't have to go. We'll stay. stay. You won't get your contract. Mm -hmm. And we took the whole school with us, and it worked. Now, that was only one organization. But it's doable if you really believe it, but you've got to have strong leadership. And she was an amazing leader.
1: Fight fire with fire. I don't, I, I'm using a very very literal term. But
2: you know, when, when the, the, they make comments around nursing that we know is absolutely incorrect, it takes organizations weeks to come out and they come out with a weak, insipid paper that doesn't actually spell <laughs> anything out. I mean, I've had loads of arguments over the pay award because I, I. I was adamant that it was a bad deal, and I, and I knew that that was the case. It didn't affect me personally, but I could see what it was doing to nurses right across the piece.
1: Anybody and, who and understood I, a pay, anybody who understood pay, and anybody who understood on social hours, and anybody who understood incremental points and incremental drift, knew that anybody above band six wasn't was getting anything. No,
2: they weren't.
1: That, that was it. But then we were made to feel. For those of us, we were made to feel that it shouldn't be about us because the law is paid.
2: Yeah, I but, know but,
1: that. But, but the lowest th- paid. That's that's how it was. But that's day. how it was driven. I know, and, and we weren't the only. You know, we weren't the only profession that that was hit and hampered by that. Um, I I think that we do. I I like the idea. I think uh, when we had our live pod last week, we decided Susan Morrison was doing the next pay negotiation. Didn't we? I
0: think we agreed that, yeah.
1: (laughs) We agreed that Susan Morrison was doing the next um, negotiation. She was going to take a bit of Jimmy Reed's, a bit of Billy Connolly um, approach to it.
0: I and thought she was going the, to take a baseball bat approach to it. But I yes. was going to say
1: there would be some wet, a baseball bat with some nails through it. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that if she takes the brief of, be prepared to walk away. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what they're saying? You know, yep. be prepared to walk away.
2: They've got to know that be you're... Be clear
1: on what it. you will and will you're not accept.
2: Go
1: go There's always this line, isn't there? I remember my grandfather, who was a trade unionist, um, saying it to me. The moment you say in a room, and my grandfather was, in, was, was involved in a lot of the, the, the shipyard um, movements in the, the 70s and 80s. The moment you say in a room, I'll take it to our members, you've lost. You've
2: lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was... You
0: the should know you what the it, membership need before exactly, you do that. Exactly, because yeah.
1: you should have the mandate to be in the room. And mm-hmm. the members should know nothing until you come out and you say, this is a deal that we can sign up to for you.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, and there was, I think, there were, there were 27 trade unions in that room. There was a, a large union that had a lot of low-paid workers. But, you know, the government were going to have to give them a pay rise anyway because of the national wage they'd set a limit that was going to come up they were going to have oh, they to couldn't get
1: out. they couldn't get out of europe quick enough not to they,
2: mm-hmm. they, you know that they, they, they had to meet it didn't they so that was going to happen anyway and you know 27 percent of seven pound 50 is not an enormous <laughs> amount of money whereas for the nurses that had been through i mean many of our, our registered nurses have been nursing assistants they've worked their way up and they're actually after that pay award i had staff nurses who were earning less than their nursing assistants because of the way that the increments had fallen and the things. And it Mm -hmm. was just disgraceful. There was there was I I don't I think they must have been I don't know what they were doing, but whatever was happening in that room it wasn't it wasn't good for members.
1: But to bring that into a close clearly neither did some of the senior politicians when they think that we've already had a bumper pay rise.
2: Well the politicians, the two things about uh, for me that stood out from that was, I have never heard in 44 years a politician stand up in parliament and thank the chief exec of the mm-hmm. union.
1: And stand side by side and with the chief Officer. Mean. So constantly. Mm-hmm.
2: Never seen it, never seen it, and, I, and I, I, I felt as if we'd been so down the river. It felt, it felt really bad, and I felt as if I'd let nurses down. I, because I couldn't control it, I tried really hard to to raise it. Well, I
1: think what I areas. think we've clearly you've clearly articulated tonight is that you and Susan Morrison will now work in partnership.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, to that. that, no, I want to see both of you in Parliament on the front yeah. bench. that's what I want to see. Oh,
1: Andrea, that was the so. only question I had left, which is why are you not in the front seat? <laughs> I
2: I think that they are. I mean, politicians in the past, I didn't always like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't particularly like dealing with Ken Clarke because he's a bruiser, you know, and he, he, but he knows his stuff. And the thing about Ken Clarke is, at least I could respect when he had something that was right. Whereas these guys seem like idiots to me. I mean, people keep telling me Boris Johnson's got a brain the size of a planet. Well, I don't know where he's got it, but he, he doesn't strike me as being the world's oh. greatest
0: intellect. No. He it he does doesn't... have he does have a brain the size of a planet. The problem is the planet in question is Jupiter, which is just <laughs> gas.
1: <laughs> that seems like a really good place to just
0: <laughs> that, let's, that, that let's send drop him there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen oh Andre, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor and uh, a, a fantastic experience having know. you on the podcast this evening. Um as Stuart and I uh, both owe you a, a great deal in our uh careers and how you've encouraged us and and supported us going on to projects and things um I will never forget I think my second time at RCN congress um when I was I was just just in my first job as a, as a staff nurse and uh, sat just wondering what on earth was going on eating my baked potato and you came down and sat next to me and we had a good half hour chat and I was just there just going she's the flipping president what? She, have you not got better things to do than this speak to speak the like of me but uh, it's just been a wonderful experience again well, sharing the table with you that's
2: the difference isn't it darling that's the difference with yeah. if you don't Sit down with the people who are delivering the frontline care. You've got no idea what's going on. And reading about it and learning lines is not leadership. Leadership is about heart, what's in here, what you feel, and you've got to feel the same as the troops. Otherwise, you can't lead them.
0: And there's our mic drop moment. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm going to do my outro speech now. And it's just been wonderful to have you on. It's been great to
2: do. It's just like having a chat with two, two friends.
0: <laughs> Thank you. you. Noisy, gobby, lefty friends. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of RMN Behaving Badly. You can join in discussion and debate on Twitter at RMNBB Podcast. Stuart is at Stuart McKenzie. And I'm at Ed Freshwater. Many thanks to our special guest, Andrea Spiropolis. You can find her on Twitter at Andrea underscore Spyro. We've had a great conversation. She's been a wonderful sport for both of us over the years. Links to stories, our blog, and all of our previous episodes are on our website at rmnbehavingbadly.co.uk. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for RMN Behaving Badly. Special thanks to all of our patrons. Particularly our friends Becky Hoskins, Daisy, Jenny Lee Sims, Lauren Kennedy, Lee Orton, Sarah Hivey, Billy Drysdale, Katie Sutton, Nat Freighter, Paul Jeb, Paula Shields, Phil Noyes, and Sherry Morris. Our fabulous patrons keep this podcast going, and it means we can put on live gigs, host a good quality chat, and all the other stuff we do. To become a patron, visit patreon.com forward slash rmnbehavingbadly. We've got three tiers, and if you join as a half-cocked friend or higher, you'll get your name read out in the credits too. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iTunes, or whichever host you get your podcast from. If you can, please leave a glowing five-star review on iTunes. It makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Our live shows are on YouTube as well. Just search for RMN Behaving Badly, and have a wee chuckle. Speaking of which, we'll be back on the 30th of May with another live show on Zoom with special guest singer-songwriter Murdo Mitchell and the outstanding comedy talent of 2018 Britain's Got Talent winner Lee Ridley, a.k.a. Lost Voice Guy. The show is free, but you have to register. Find the link on our website or social media. Don't miss this one. It's going to be amazing. Music for this episode, as ever, is by EpiJ and Kevin MacLeod. Thanks to both. In the meantime, before our next episode, stay safe, stay well, speak to you soon.